Cell is the leading distributor of radiotherapy patient positioning equipment and physics QA products for the UK and Ireland, supplying both the NHS and private sectors. We currently have a busy event schedule and will be attending many conferences in the next few months and many of the regional study days. For a full list of where to meet us, please do get in touch. As well as our event schedule, we also have a busy product portfolio that has recently been updated to. This includes Sky Factory for state-of-the-art visual LED lighting. We have MyQA Ion and Ion RT from IBA for automated patient-specific QA for photon, electron and proton radiotherapy. And we also have MR Box from our AI suppliers at Therapanacea, allowing AI-powered MR-only workflows for a more consistent and high-quality planning pathway. For SGRT, we have a vast range of open-faced thermoplastic masks, as well as surface-guided compatible clear bolus from ClearSight, preventing any risk of interference between the skin surface and your SGRT solution. And as always, do not hesitate to get in touch to discuss your product and service requirements with our friendly and knowledgeable team. Our account and clinical specialists are from a radiotherapy and physics background, and we are more than happy to chat about the clinical benefits and the workflow of all of our products. Hi everyone, before we get going with this podcast, we'd really like to highlight an important annual flash survey from Radiotherapy UK charity that will open from 29th August till 12th September 2023. This is your opportunity as a member of the Radiotherapy workforce to share your experiences of what is happening on the ground. So last year, over 10% of the entire Radiotherapy workforce responded from all disciplines and the key findings received national coverage from BBC Newsnight, national papers and in Parliament. A few of their key findings from last year included 84% of respondents said that they do not have the workforce in place to meet current patient need. Eight in ten respondents felt that the current environment had caused them or a colleague to consider leaving. Over one third said that they didn't have the appropriate IT and technology infrastructure to support the delivery of the most up-to-date techniques. So please do take part, have your say, have your voice heard and help raise awareness of the crucial need to invest and improve radiotherapy services in the UK. Hello everyone and welcome to Rad Chat, the multi-award winning first therapeutic radiographer-led oncology podcast. Welcome to our artificial intelligence podcast series in collaboration with the Society College of Radiographers. My name is Jo McMahon and I'm joined by fellow host Namanjalka Anderson. Hi everyone. So please do take time to have a look at our AI social media and check out the other AI podcast episodes. So we're really pleased to introduce our guest today, Jan Berger. Um, so Jan, thank you so much for coming on. We've heard lots about you. We've been very excited in anticipation for this episode. Um, would you like to introduce yourself? Of course. First of all, thank you very much for the invitation. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, and look, uh, yeah, as you just mentioned, my name is Jan. I'm based in, in Germany and I'm with uh, G Healthcare, which is, uh, which you, I guess, know. It's a, it's a big uh, global medtech and uh, diagnostics innovator. We have about 50,000 people operating in 160 countries. Um, and actually, the, the company is uh, just since a few months. I usually say we are, we are um, uh, a startup company right now because we just spun off the big GE conglomerate earlier this year. We are um, now a NASDAQ listed standalone pure play medtech company since beginning of the year. And it's uh, an exciting time for us to operate in the healthcare market. And look, um, in, in my role, I'm responsible in Europe for uh, partnerships, digital partnerships and innovation. Um, and this means primarily two things I'm, I'm focusing on. One is 
um, I really think about with my team how to collaborate across the healthcare ecosystem really to build relevant um, digital solutions to drive the digital transformation of healthcare forward. And secondly, what do we need to do right across the ecosystem to ensure those great technologies, those great digital solutions are truly adopted by healthcare settings. So this is this is what I do in my daily work. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, how did you even get into this field of work? Hmm. I mean, look, actually, I I started as well as a radiographer um, here in Germany a long time ago, um, then uh, spent time um, uh, with the German military where I helped to digitize their healthcare operations. And this is where I started coming into this digital health, healthcare IT space, which I found very interesting, very exciting, where I realized, hey, when we move into this, um, we can really, I mean, change a lot of and, and tackle a lot of those big problems I eventually talk about a little bit later as well we have in the industry um, and can really make an impact at the end to the patient and to patient outcomes. So this is how I went into this space. I then um, had my own uh, consultancy for some time, helped with, uh, right, helped healthcare institutions to understand and build like their strategies for the digital transformation. And at some point, I mean, actually already 15 years ago, I, um, I joined G Healthcare, uh, which is a fantastic company to work at and to work for. A very vibrant space, the, the digital health um, environment. So excited to be part of this and to yeah, at least contribute a little to to transform healthcare in that in that space. Do you miss working clinically? Yes and no. Um, sometimes I do, right? Because uh, and I travel a lot to customer sites. I travel a lot to healthcare institutions because it's very important for my work to be very close, right, with with our customers and clients. But um, I mean, in the past, right, and this has, in, in the UK, it's eventually different. But uh, in the past, um, as a radiographer, you often have been just like the person executing, right, I mean, specific uh, steps in the workflow, acquiring those images, right? What I'm saying is it was very limited, usually, what you could do beside your, let's say, specific job role, right? You were not... Um, let's say the person asked in the first place, hey, how can we innovate? Yeah, and I always came up uh, in my clinical work uh, back in the time with ideas what could be done differently, and this was never really heard. So at some point I realized, hey, this is not the work environment I want to be in. So obviously as part of our AI series, I suppose the first question we need to ask you is, you know, what is the role of AI within Healthcare. Hmm. That's a that's a great uh, starting question. And look, I, I'm used to say um, healthcare needs AI because it needs the human touch. And maybe during the next couple of minutes, maybe during the session, I uh, I can clarify what that actually means uh, means uh, to me and I think to us. But before I do this, um, maybe you give me a few minutes to talk a little bit about. The big problems I see in healthcare, and I think we all agree, um, they are massive in, in our space and we have to tackle them. And hopefully technologies such as AI can contribute to, to tackling those issues. The first one I would like to talk about and give you a few examples. Um, right, Talking about healthcare data and this massive amount of healthcare data we have to deal with each and every day. 
Today, it just takes about 73 days to double all medical data. I mean, just imagine this, yeah? every about 73 days. There are, there are 6,000 uh, 6, medical journals out there publishing 900,000 articles a year, yeah? which means for a dermatologist, for instance, um, there are 11,000 publications to read every year. Yeah? And to keep up with uh, primary care literature, for instance, um, a GP would need to read for 21 hours every day. Now just, just picture this. Um, coming to radiology, uh, there is, uh, you know this very well, there is more information in a mammogram than there is in the telephone book of New York, even if I don't know if there is still like a physical telephone book. Yeah? And you also know it's not uncommon uh, for a mammography image to be one gigabyte in size. Yeah? Talking about your colleagues, the, the radiologists, uh, in a 12-hour shift, uh, they are looking at uh, today about 50,000 images compared to just like 515 years ago. Yeah? So what I'm saying is there is this explosion of uh, data in every facets of our lives, so in healthcare with, with really no end in sight. And then um, only 3% only of, of healthcare data is, is actually used to generate um, insights, right? We have 97% of, uh, of healthcare data kind of uh, sitting untouched, unleveraged, unharnessed. And today this, uh, this sheer mass of, uh, of data, which we could also call a treasure actually, is, is largely just a cost and does nothing to improve uh, qualities and efficiencies. Yeah, so first thing I wanted to point out is, is, is data, right? Being both uh, something very valuable, could be something very valuable, but today it's just largely um, a cost. The second thing I wanna just um, mention is this broad space of, of medical errors. Yeah, so there are about 40 million uh, medical errors uh, every year globally. Um, in the US, for instance, diagnostic errors affect more than 12 million Americans uh, each year. It's estimated in Europe up to 350,000 people die every year due to medical errors, which is like the population of uh, like Venice in Italy or, or Toulouse in France. And for every 100 hospitalizations, um, approximately 14 adverse events occur. Yeah? Another big problem. And I think with technology, um, we, can, we can also kind of help in that space as well. One more thing, if, if you don't mind, um, something that uh, is, is extremely pressing in the UK, which is the healthcare professional or workforce shortage. Yeah? Um, globally, uh, today, uh, right, we are talking about uh, roughly 7 million um, healthcare professionals are missing, and it's estimated that in 2035, um, 14 million healthcare professionals will be missing due to like retirements and not enough young people um, entering the space, but also like things like the poor uh, job satisfaction. And uh, when you know this, right, and then you, you think about, okay, the demand is going up, uh, complexity is increasing, care pathways become more and more complex. So this is tr truly becoming just a growing issue. And uh, what I'm saying here is that, um, yeah, access to healthcare, quality, efficiency, cost, all these are, are growing problems. And Again, there is this, this digital data, which is, as I said, both today a challenge, but also a huge opportunity. Yeah? And it's all about, from my standpoint, um, right, harnessing uh, this, this data to create better outcomes 
and solutions. Uh, I think this is really the core of, of the future of, of healthcare. And, and, and this is where we, where we start with AI, right? Uh, an AI conversation because AI can, can create uh, better data, can drive better quality, better outcomes, um, and hopefully drive more time for uh, providers to spend with their patients, pushing like insights directly to the, to the point of care, which is, as we all know, less and less defined by, by physical location. And um, look, when I think about you, when I think about uh, the radiology workforce, uh, it's, it's a scarce resource. And um, as I said, demand and access to high quality uh, radiology uh, diagnostic services uh, is increasing and, and the industry is working to tackle parts of this problem with uh, technologies such as AI. And, and maybe I stop here for now. <laughs> you have blown my mind with the stats. We, Numen and I, you could just tell we were fascinated. And when we talk about continual professional development and ensuring that essentially we we maintain our our professional standards our competencies just how many journals there are how many publications that like there is no way that any of us could maintain our com, um, continual professional development okay. to that standard so the ai is obviously critical in all elements of healthcare but that's the one that stood out for me in terms of how can we be at the leading edge of healthcare without some support of something in the background With the workforce in the UK, I think the stats recently that came up from SOR said one in 10 radiography workforce is not kind of not in post or is off sick at the moment. Jan, would you say that eventually this is a fear for most people that AI might replace workforce? Maybe a two-sided answer. I think for uh, the majority of, uh, of people um, and professionals, eventually this is still like a, a worry. Um, but for those, uh, let's say, domain experts who, right, or radiology experts who have started familiarizing themselves with AI, I think it's not a worry anymore. Yeah, and therefore, right, um, I really encourage everyone uh, in the space to, even if it's maybe difficult, or even if you think, hey, AI is such a specific uh, and difficult topic, how, how shall I learn about this? Start familiarizing yourself right start to understand the basic concepts i think this is super uh, critical in the future because it will impact every facets uh, of our personal and professional life as i said um, and therefore dig into this try to learn at least the basics uh, so that you understand what it does and if you do so and if you even um, maybe are involved in in like the first ai implementation projects at your site for instance um, get into it, right? Because then you realize, hey, this is, uh, if all works well, a helpful technology, but far from replacing uh, replace, uh, replacing professionals. So, Jan, can I ask, what projects and things are you working on at the moment? What's exciting you in this field? Oh, yeah, I think too many things, to be honest, right? Our one hour would not be enough. But look, maybe I'm going to share... Um, a couple of different examples, right, on AI, let's say projects and products we have been working on over the last couple of years, what we are also working on right now. 
and uh, in this new space of what is called generative AI foundation models, maybe also a few thoughts uh, around this later on. But first, let me start with a couple of uh, more, let's say, basic uh, capabilities we have been built, which are already available in the market uh, already. And the first one I would like to bring up is um, our portable X-ray machine, right? I mean, which uh, you know uh, very well, I guess, right? Uh, portable machine, which you can, uh, which is designed to to move easily from like one location to another, allowing for X-ray imaging. Um, to be performed in, in different settings, right? Like the, the patient's bedside, uh, the emergency room or any other remote areas um, where you have like limited uh, access to other, other imaging equipment. And what we have uh, done a few years back was we have added a, a suite of AI algorithms onto the device, um, which helps with things like um, uh, image quality errors, right? It can like auto-rotate quality check uh, the imaging. It can detect potentially critical conditions. That's an interesting one, such as pneumothorax, right? Something maybe not different, dif difficult to, to detect, right? But uh, sometimes you don't have experienced professionals around um, that, that see this immediately, maybe also in other parts of the world. And if you have a, a, a device that can tell you, hey, there's a high likelihood that there is a critical condition, you should act quickly, that's, that's very helpful. What it also does, uh, right, with uh, deep learning embedded uh, onto the device is it helps with things like um, assessing endotracheal tube placements, um, right, for intubated patients. Um, and, and what we have seen with those capabilities that uh, um, uh, a 78% increase in, uh, in time, right, from like about uh, three hours, what we have like calculated in the past, uh, three hours and, and a couple of like 22 minutes or something down to just 44 uh, minutes uh, it takes to, to report for instance urgent pneumothorax exams with this machine yeah so one thing is putting AI onto device and this is where we as G healthcare right coming from a history of building um, imaging devices um, MRI ultrasound x-ray and so on this is where we are focusing on putting AI onto the device to uh, streamline operations, to acquire images faster, um, get to better image quality and so on. So this is what we focus on. Another super interesting example, a very recent one we are working uh, on, we just acquired, acquired a few months back a, a California-based um, scale-up called Caption Health. And they work in the ultrasound space. And I guess you know ultrasound is a highly effective uh, diagnostic tool but uh, the, the tool's effectiveness uh, largely depends on the operator's skills, right? Which requires quite extensive specialized training. And uh, mastering this uh, technology requires, um, yeah, I mean, education training that spends years and the quality of, of the images it produces can vary significantly based on, on the skill set of the operator handling the probe. Yeah. So, this user dependency is particularly noticeable in uh, what is called point of care ultrasound uh, procedures, which occur in like various different settings, such as um, doctor's offices, clinics, uh, emergency departments, or even patient homes. And um, the execution of, of these exams requires like um, a, a unique uh, blend of hand-eye coordination and interpretation of complex visuals 
a, a task that uh, traditional ultrasound software does not assist with. Yeah? So traditional ultrasound um, software lacks really this guidance and, and real-time feedback. And, and this, this lack of guidance can often result in, as I said earlier, poor quality uh, images. It can lead to missed diagnostic opportunities, misdiagnosis even, uh, repeated studies, for instance, and, and inconsistent um, uh, interpretations. So, so consequently, the, 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 the full potential and benefits of, um, of ultrasound uh, technology, from my perspective, remain largely untapped. Yeah, so, so therefore, we acquired um, this, this company, uh, Caption Health. What they have is an FDA-cleared, AI-powered uh, image guidance software that aims to remedy these issues, providing essential um, scan guidance to aid users in acquiring the right image. It, in, it instructs uh, users on making uh, like specific movements to, to optimize the ultrasound image capture. It provides real-time feedback and, uh, on the uh, proximity to acquiring high-quality images and automatically records uh, diagnostic quality images. And, we believe with, with this uh, kind of technology, it can really make a difference and can really level up, uh, let's say, the, the space of ultrasound. We see as significant opportunities to enhance um, effectiveness, uh, accessibility of ultrasound technology and really maximizing its diagnostic potential. I would imagine lots of sonographers in the UK might be thinking, how am I going to maintain my skills and develop my skills if potentially AI is almost telling me what to do, how to do it, when to do it? You know, it, is there a risk potentially that we de-skill the workforce by introducing the AI? And I am, I am being very controversial on purpose because I'm just thinking, you know, it, is that potentially something that could happen? Or do you think actually everyone will still get the clarity of their professional skills and this is a way for us to elevate and develop our scope of practice yeah no that's a fantastic uh, and very valid question and and look i think um it's not about these killing but it's about focusing developing skills in other areas in the future yeah so i mean there are a lot of mundane repetitive tasks that 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 are done that could be automated and AI could take over, right? And you take care of more the challenging, difficult types of, uh, I don't know, diagnostic procedures um, where really the expert human being is, is required for, right? It's, so that's what I wanna say to your, uh, to your question. It's not about de-skilling, but it's about, yeah, um, re I don't know if it's the right word, reskilling. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, I mean, it's a tool, isn't it? So. When therapeutic radiographers use ultrasound for bladder scanning, it will tell you if you're in relatively the right location, depending on the type of scanner it is. Like, while upskilling, de-skilling, whichever it is, obviously what yeah. we use it for is slightly less diagnostic to a sonographer. Um, so yeah, pros and cons. I think it'll be interesting as we move forward, because if, if there's something that can tell me that I can do something better, I know some professionals might not like it because they think, well, I've got a degree in this, I know better than the computer. But yeah. yeah, Terminator, we talk about this all the time in this series, that's taught me enough. The computer always knows better than, than the human. No, look, I think um, we should not, what, what everybody who's interested in the space and also everybody who's worried, uh, right, about uh, 
is, is my job secure? Don't think about, because it's just, I mean, in, in healthcare, that's not the way it works. It's not about being replaced by AI or a computer. It's about how can I join forces with this novel technology, right? Because it's all about like the human computer uh, interaction. And I think when those two worlds collaborate closely with each other, we can achieve creation things and creation, uh, create patient outcomes, but it's not either or, right? Not at all today. Um, as you know very well, I mean, healthcare is a, is a people business. It's a human touch business. And uh, right, it's all about getting to improve patient outcomes and and therefore the the healthcare professional is 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 critically important right but maybe in the future in a, in a different role in the sense of okay i take care of my patient i make sure right i interact with the patient but all those like uh, data gathering and so on right this can be to some extent automated in the future yeah. look if you want um I had another uh, example of uh, exciting AI technology uh, we have been working on in mind, which is related to cardiac MRI, if, if you want. Um, and and we, here we have uh, just brought to market very recently a technology which we call SonicDL, um, which is an, an, a newly launched deep learning based technology for acquiring um, high definition MRI images, especially for cardiac uh, imaging. And look, because a traditional cardiac MRI um, had challenges such as uh, requiring multiple breath holes and, and capturing several heartbeats for complete imaging. And what we do with uh, SonicDL is uh, it addresses these challenges by, by, I mean, really drastically accelerating the speed of MRI image acquisition, enabling, enabling images um, to be taken up to 12 times faster than traditional methods. And this technology allows cardiac MRIs to be conducted within a single heartbeat, reducing examination times, improving patient comfort, of course. And, and the elimination of, of uh, multiple breath holes uh, simplifies, uh, as you can imagine, the, the imaging process and makes it more accessible for patients with uh, like arrhythmias or those who have difficulties uh, holding their breath. And um, what it also does, it improves the, the quality of cardiac imaging by reducing uh, motion artifacts, for instance, right, caused by, by patient movements, leading to more uh, accurate and, uh, and reliable diagnosis. Um, and what we have seen is that it really enhances productivity and streamlines workflows in radiology departments by really cutting scan times up to uh, 83% reducing the burden on healthcare professionals and really improving throughput. And as I said, it's it's pretty new. We just received FDA clearance uh, a couple of months back and uh, we really look forward to implement this technology in more and more um, healthcare settings. Yeah, and where does your inspiration come from? Like day to day, do you work with the technology and think, how can AI feed into this? Uh, or is it more around creating the AI and then thinking, what does that link with from a kind of product perspective? No. Yeah, great. Fantastic question. I, I love this one. It's the opposite, right? We always start with uh, identifying problems. So what we, for instance, do a lot is we go to healthcare uh, uh, provider institutions, right? Or speak to our healthcare uh, provider partners from across the globe and try to figure out what are their most pressing problems, 
Yeah, this is always our starting point. And based on this, we then start developing technology. And sometimes, right, this is uh, a problem we can tackle uh, the best with AI and sometimes not. Yeah, but it's not, we are not building AI for the sake of AI, right? But we are really always starting with a uh, serious healthcare problem that is big enough to be tackled and interesting enough for all parties involved, of course. Um, this, is, this is how we start working on those different use cases. And also this is how we, we start working on, uh, on this space of, on this new space uh, of generative and, and foundation models. Um, and, and maybe I can talk a little bit about this. Uh, because we believe this new breed of AI is really something that can help us tackle the challenges we have as a technology provider and also scaling our approach. Um, and, and let me start explaining you with um, maybe even one more traditional deep learning uh, technology we brought to market some time ago, which we call um, um, Rx, which is uh, uh, like a, a deep learning, a set of deep learning algorithms um, that we have developed from a database of uh, 10,000s of, of images to, to automatically um, detect patient uh, anatomy and prescribe MRI slices for routine and challenging neurological um, and now also knee exams, um, really delivering consistent and quantifiable results. And this is something we have uh, brought to market. It's available. We started with uh, the brain as, as the first anatomy of, of this capability, which took us about two years right, to build and, and bring to market. And I mean, almost half of that, uh, that time, just curating images, uh, and then spending like the second half of, of the two years, training the model, deploying it, validate it, go to a regulatory clearance. Um, and even with uh, optimization, um, just just uh, taking that what we have learned from from the brain now trying to take uh, that to the next set of anatomies i mean it took us over a year just to develop and deploy each uh, one of those those new models so and this is really uh, something that motivates us to think more uh, about like uh, the direction of what we can build as as foundation models in the future right so that can for instance capture all anatomies in a, in a, like a single shot and which help elim eliminate um, like three scans and also like scan efficiency and uh, the first one with this um, uh, with the brain I just explained now translate we translate it to the knee and then we are now looking into spine into prostate all this is a separate journey on its own as in like a separate development from more or less the ground up and right each of those new models requires own training and, and this is really where we think foundation models can make a difference um, um, in the future and I I don't know if you know but there is um, there is a uh, I don't know Ernest Hemingway's novel the the sun also rises he says in there there's a character Mike in there who uh, who was asked how did you go bankrupt and, and, and he said it, uh, it happened in two ways, um, gradually, then suddenly. Yeah? And I think te technology uh, advancements happen much of uh, the same way where small change accumulate and then um, suddenly the, the world is, is in a different place. And maybe this is something we see right now with, with generative AI um, the last couple of, of months, which is something 
um, maybe scaring for a lot of people, right? And there are, Christina, you mentioned uh, a couple of things here. There's also a huge risk in this kind of technology, but at the same time, it's a huge, op uh, great opportunity as well. And and we see this as an uh, inflection point, you know, where uh, we have seen this uh, like rapid, dramatic uh, change in technology. Uh, it affects all, all society in all segments, and we believe it can make a massive impact and speed up really the uh, uh, AI implementation and overall the digital transformation of healthcare in a, in a very big way. I'm really glad you dismissed that myth that does exist that AI is quick in terms of producing and filtering through to the implementation. I think um, it's it's kind of that perception that AI is speedy to implement when actually you've really clarified that it takes an awful lot from kind of the idea stimulation all the way through to the implementation. I also thought that whilst you said it's for healthcare providers to tell us what maybe their issues are, I was thinking everyone's going to be emailing you go, can you find a solution for this? You might get lots of emails after this podcast. <laughs> very true, yes. I mean, look, uh, healthcare is, is and, and you know this very well, um, and I said this earlier, it's a, it's a people business. It's a human touch business. We take care of our patients, our patients' lives. And therefore, all technologies we implement in, in the space, we need to be very careful what we do. Yeah, It needs to be tested. It needs to be validated. This takes time, right? We need to get regulatory approval. So yes, we are slow in adopting those new technologies, right? Compared to other industries in particular. But there is a reason for this. Yeah, and, and we better be like slow and careful and thoughtful and implement it in a, in a proper manner instead of rushing um, like other industries can because it's not that critical. Yeah, so therefore, other industries are uh, uh, way ahead in terms of digital transformation, right? I mean, when I not just talk about AI, when I broadly talk about digital overall, we see other industries being 10 years ahead of healthcare, yeah? which is okay, we can learn a lot from them. Um, but as I said, healthcare has its uh, its own specific challenges. I mean, one thing I didn't talk about yet is uh, the, the multi-modality of data we have in healthcare is very different to other industries. Yeah, it really stands out. We talk about, right, uh, uh, imaging, we talk about structured, unstructured data, handwritten, uh, doctor's notes, uh, prescriptions, lab results, and so on and so forth. And the question is really, how can we in the future bring all this data together um, instead of today, for instance, in radiology AI, in those decision support tools, where it's all about analyzing a specific image for a specific anatomy or pathology, and that's it. How can we incorporate, for instance, relevant patient history, right? More context um, beyond just imaging and then get to like predictions and, and results in with much more like patient specific context. I think this is the future, right? Multimodality AI and foundation models or generative AI will help us big time to get there. Jan, how do you think we can get more females and women into AI and more IT related kind of aspects of working. Yeah, so look, you're right. This is uh, this even if um, even if we see now a lot of uh, great, uh, for instance, data scientists, right, are coming out of university that are women, which is 
which is fantastic. We, I mean, I feel like there is a little bit of shift in, in what you just described, Christina, already happening. But of course, we have to do lots more to to get to gender, um, let's say, e e equality. But um, what I think we have to do as a uh, as humankind actually is. Um, we have to educate our younger generations on, again, also the, like the basics of AI, first of all. Yeah? And, and this is what I do not have enough time, unfortunately, for this. But this is what we do going to schools um, and, and trying to educate kids in a fun uh, way about the pros and cons of artificial intelligence. Because it impacts their lives every single day, right? With the smartphones, with the... Uh, Alexa and Siri and all those tools around us um, they are entering data in those machines they are getting uh, results out of this um, which are e usually very helpful but you need to understand how this works you need to understand at least again the fundamentals of this technology what is good using it and what are maybe the let's say the things where you should be a bit careful like talking about personal information for instance but uh, Right? And I think this kind of basic understanding of this technology that's everywhere today and, and becoming even more um, important in the future, uh, I think this basic understanding we have to further develop. And I believe, I always uh, believe with education, you start building trust, right? Same in, in healthcare, same in radiology, for instance, when you educate your workforce on, uh, on the basics and principles of artificial intelligence, when you can showcase uh, positive results of your first pilots, for instance, you start building trust. Yeah. So, and therefore, um, this is very important to educate. And hopefully, with with education, there are plenty of great um, uh, ways out there, uh, even like free courses and stuff on the internet to start learning about uh, this technology yourself. So, I can really encourage everybody, right? Both uh, women and men. Um, and especially the younger generation to dig into this and spend time learning about this, playing around with those tools, right? All of us, we have heard about JetGPT the last couple of months. Um, if you have not heard about this, right, Google it now, have a look what it is, play around with it. It's amazing. Um, and, 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 and try to see how this could help uh, in your private and, and, and uh, professional life going forward. So, Jan, we've come to the end of our um, podcast episode. Thank you so much. It's been really insightful and we've absolutely loved talking to you. We always end all of our podcasts with top tips. So I don't know, do you have any top tips for students listening in the audience, healthcare professionals, patients, anyone at all that you think, actually, I can help support and advise with my top tips? Oh, that's a, that's a great uh, way to close uh, things up here. Look, um, first of all, and I, I mentioned this already, um, for healthcare professionals, I believe um, the most important th thing right now is, um, if you have not yet, familiarize yourself with the technology. Yeah, and you don't don't need to become a programmer or data scientist, but um, you you should understand like the basics, the concepts, and the use cases. For instance, in radiology, and as I said, there are many learning opportunities out there. Also. Um, from a GE healthcare standpoint, we run our own education program for healthcare professionals called Hello AI. When you just Google this, you should find this, uh, which is which is a great um, online training course. And and 
as a healthcare professionals, if, if there are AI projects taking place in your hospital, in your environment, get involved, yeah? um, em embrace it, uh, get yourself into this new and maybe uh, like unknown, uncomfortable space and experience yourself. Th this is very important for patients. Uh, actually, I would say at your next uh, diagnostic or therapy appointment um, at your provider, ask them about AI, um, how they use it, uh, why they use it, or why, why they are not using it today. And I think this, this can also spark some interesting conversations. And look for everybody out there listening in. Um, if you have uh, friends, uh, or if you know great data scientists, software developers, um, right, that, op that work in spaces such as gaming, banking, and all, all those other boring industries, ask them if they really want to make an impact with their know-how and experience. And if so, encourage them to tap into the healthcare space, because I think we need more people in that space, right? Those technical domain experts to help us really move things forward. We don't have enough. For whatever reason, gaming, is it seems like it's more interesting for them, but uh, empower them uh, to have a look into healthcare. That would be my my uh, suggestions here. A huge thank you again to um, our amazing guest today, Jan. Thank you all for listening to Rad Chat. Your hosts today have been Joe McNamara and Namanjal Kamsen. If you're utilising this podcast for CPD purposes, consider the reflective questions posted along with links to resources and literature that we've discussed. To receive your accredited CPD certificate, please complete the Google form linked with the podcast. Thank you all for listening and take care.